0: Well, the Lord's good, and His mercy endures forever. (laughs) If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, I want to read from a familiar passage of Scripture uh, that really since the beginning, when I say the beginning, I mean the beginning that God chose to send me and others And for you that collected upon the same place um, to begin to preach in a church called Anchor Faith Church, we've used this scripture multiple times because it's very important that we renew our minds to the Word of God. Um, Quite honestly, our minds are jacked up. And I'm thankful that God, by His Spirit, gives us a new spirit that gives us the capacity to get our mind right yes. that's why Paul wrote and said that we needed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. that way we would not go back and be conformed to the world uh, we're not of the world anymore so we really shouldn't look like it are you with me and when I say look like it we don't change our outward appearance in the context that we don't look like human beings What I'm saying is is that our behavior and the way we respond in life is so different than the rest of the world or those that are not connected with Jesus that people would have to conclude we're different. And we are. If Christ can't change us, this is a problem. Most believe that Christ's assignment is only to get us to heaven and keep us from hell. Uh, That is not his assignment. That is a byproduct of his assignment. What I mean by that is his assignment causes us to be with him in heaven and shun hell. But that's not the purpose why Jesus came. Jesus came to give us life. And that wasn't in heaven. That's now. I said that's now. He gave us a way to live today. And so in Matthew chapter 15, verse 3, familiar passages of Scripture we've said before... And it bears repeating for this month and maybe all month long I'll lead with this scripture as I minister because except for this Wednesday night I will minister every service specifically concerning kingdom economics. And today is a setup sermon. I said it's a setup sermon. Meaning I'm going to say some things without saying some things in order that when we get into the subject matter of economics hopefully you'll be in a better position to receive. Are you with me? So your prayer this week before next Sunday is John chapter 16 and verse 12. Say, Lord, I don't want to stay in this category. Jesus said to his disciples, there's many more things I'd like to say to you, but you're not able to bear them. But when he, that is the Holy Ghost, verse 13, when he comes, he'll... he'll, uh, Uh, guide you into all truth, he'll disclose things to come. He won't speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he'll tell you. And so you need to begin to ask the question. And you begin to say, Lord, I'm going to conclude I don't know what what everything there is to know about money, and I want you to give me the right relationship with finance so that I can be able to receive it. Because there will be people that through this series will change their life dramatically. And in years to come, they'll look back on that message and say, I'm where I'm at today in the earth, doing the things I'm doing financially in the earth because of that message. But then there'll be others that will be no better, but they were in the same service because it was how you received it. Amen? Hallelujah. You say, now, Pastor Earl, it's the holiday season. It's the season of giving. That's why we're talking about it. (laughs) Amen? That's why we're talking about it. Hallelujah. All right? But in Matthew chapter 15, verse 3, you've heard me say this before. I'm not saying it. It's Jesus. So don't conclude that it's my voice. It's the voice of Jesus. Jesus said to religious people, to people who knew the law but did not interpret the law correctly did not have the heart of the message that came with the law. And he said to them, he says, and he answered and said to them, why do you yourself transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your traditions? So what we want to do is we want to make sure we don't have traditional thinking, meaning we've developed an idea or a concept of God and it becomes a tradition that voids a command of God. I have found through the years that God has moved in people's lives with the truth, and then they try to apply that same truth to every situation, but it's not applicable. Like when it comes to prayer, it says in all manner of prayer, which means there's not one prayer. So you can't apply the prayer of consecration uh, in certain situations. And you can't apply the prayer that the leopard man prayed, Lord, if you're willing, you'll heal me to every situation in life. Right. Right. So you can traditionally pray, now Lord, I want to go to Nicaragua, but if you're willing. Well you say go into all the world. So it isn't whether he's willing or not is it time. If you have symptoms in your, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. The Lord said, I am willing. He's already said it. He already answered the question. He is the Lord that healed thee. So you don't don't apply that scripture there. But traditionally, we can get caught up in things. And so we want to be able to take some time to be able to say, okay, Lord, just teach me. Do you believe that there's more you can learn from the Word of God? I do. I believe I'll be a better pastor in five years that I have not attained to the greatest pastor on the face of the planet. There's still more to learn. There's still more that I can discover, and that's from every scripture. All right? So, with that being said, let's look at some familiar things. I want to talk to you about faith today, because you'll never understand kingdom economics if you cannot get in faith. Hallelujah. You'll never operate in God's economy if you do not operate by faith, because faith is the currency of the kingdom. It causes the unseen to manifest in the seen. It is the exchange. All right? And so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Not seen. seen. And we had a great time taking time to go through some evidences concerning Scripture because a lot of people are trying to say what they want to say without giving evidence to it, like it's this way, but there's no evidence. And God himself did not... Go through life bringing unseen spiritual principles never proving them out naturally so there's evidence that we are what we are you can't say you're born again and live like the world still it's impossible the scripture doesn't support that so I would not be able to believe that if you could do everything you ever did in the world while you were lost after you made Jesus your Lord I would have to conclude you never made him Lord because you go against the word. Well, don't you can't judge me. I'm not judging you. The Bible is saying what you look like. I'm not going off your testimony, I'm going off his testimony. You can't be baptized in the Holy Ghost unless you have evidence. You cannot be healed of the Lord unless you have evidence. It must manifest. Your faith will manifest these things. All right? So now faith is some of the things hope for, the evidence is things not seen. The word hope means confident expectation, which means you have to first have a confident expectation before you can ever even move into faith. Hope is always future, means I hope it's going to happen. It it could happen. I know the Lord's going to heal me. That's, That's a position of something in the future, but hope's bigger than that. Hope actually will get you a confident expectation to move it in. You know what? God has done it now. And I have a confident expectation, meaning I'm always expecting it to manifest at any time. Because manifestation is inevitable. Are you with me? Again, there are people during the holiday season that will send Christmas cards. I got a Christmas card. Actually, it was on my desk today. And so if someone called you and said, hey, I'm sending you a package. At their word, you'll have a confident expectation every time you go to the mail and when it doesn't show up, you're like, well, it must be here tomorrow. So you'll expect it the next day. And if it goes past a period of time that you're thinking, well, it we should have shown up, you'll call them back and say, well, do you?" yes, I did. Trust me, it'll be there. Must have got caught up somewhere, but it's coming. And you'll go with that confidence. You'll want to abandon the mailbox. And that's your faith. That's your work of faith is that you go to the mailbox. Well, if they send it to me, then it'll just show up at my door so that they'll bring it right in the house. Well, if it's FedEx, they might. <laughs> might ring the doorbell, leave it at, the, at your door, but if it's small enough, it's going to be in your mailbox, you're going to have to get up and go to it. That's right. gotta... And it could be in your mailbox, and you hadn't looked at your mailbox for three days, and it's been there for three days, but because you didn't go. Okay. So now faith is some of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, how does faith come? Romans chapter 10 tells us. Romans chapter 10 tells us how faith comes in verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you you cannot have faith in God, nor can you receive from God without receiving his word. You can't receive from God without hearing his word. And hearing is not like he has to sit in your room and talk to you like I'm talking to you today. Hearing his word is reading his word. Now, he will speak to you. In fact, I was off in prayer this past week, praying concerning some things in 2018, and I was asking the Lord about some things specifically, where I'm at, where we're going, what we're doing, things like that. And, you know, I'd been studying, praying, praying in the spirit, all these particular things, hadn't really heard anything specific from God, and then I went to bed with expectation. I said, now, Lord, you can talk to me when I'm sleeping. You can give me a dream. Lord, you could Walk inside this room. If you whatever you need to do to talk to me, to tell me. And it was probably about three o'clock in the morning. I heard God as clear as a bell. I mean as clear as I'm hearing myself talk right now in my inner man. I'm saying it wasn't an audible voice, but it was anu- it was loud enough in my spirit, man. It woke me up. It brought me to consciousness. And he gave me a scripture, a passage of scripture. I was confident. Then I slipped, slipped off into a dream where Pastor Brandon was reading that scripture to me, and it wasn't the right scripture. <laughs> now, it wasn't that he was off, or There was anything about that that was specific. It's just that at that moment, I began to think I, I needed... I didn't, I didn't go ahead and get up and read it. That's how confident I was I heard from God. But then my dream started putting me in a state where I'm wanting to know what it said. And so I created scenarios in my mind of people trying to find that Scripture and read it. But I knew it wasn't nothing that was being said because it just wasn't. But when I woke up and pulled it out, I was excited. I was excited what God said. Amen. And now it set me on a course because I know that passage of Scripture, the whole chapter that he gave me. There's nuggets in it. So I read it this morning. And I'm going to keep reading it and keep digging it and say, okay, because what you said about me, where I'm going, and what the church is doing is all contained in this passage because God said it at this moment. Are you with me? So faith comes. So there's a faith message for me. There's a direction. There's a way I'm going to step out in the unseen based upon that passage because of where I'm at today in my life. Amen. Where we're at today as a church. All right. So faith comes by here and we must hear God's word. Are you with me? All right. So from here then, we know that our first exercise of faith, the first time any of us ever experienced faith in God, is written out in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved. How? Grace did not save you. Grace brought the ability for you to believe. Yes, amen. Faith saved you. Grace was the vehicle, and this is just the first aspect of grace, because there's many aspects of grace. Okay, Hallelujah. Are you with me? All right, I'm gonna help you out. When I bought our Tahoe, you understand, uh, it's a vehicle. All right, I got in it, and I drove it. It was awesome. But, you know, there's more to my vehicle than just that. There's things that that thing provides for me beyond just driving. There are things embedded within it. And if I don't discover it, then I won't access it. And I'll be limited to just one thought of my Tahoe. Are you with me? This is what happens when people don't understand grace. They'll take this first aspect of grace and they'll apply it through every situation in life, and that's not what it is. Grace has many definitions yeah. that are applicable. And let me just say this: The greatest lie going through parts of the church today is that the foundation of grace is unmerited faith, unmerited favor. Yeah. What does that mean? That means you did not deserve. That is a lie. Because it cannot be applied to Jesus. Jesus was full of... Grace. If Jesus was full of grace, what did he do that he didn't deserve? Come on. That's right. that's good. Yeah, that's good. We were introduced to grace through unmerited favor. We didn't deserve what God provided. Jesus, on the other hand, had the foundation of grace, yes. which is the empowerment yes. to live beyond sin. To overcome. That's the foundation of grace. Okay? All right. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may, what? Boast. So our first introduction to faith is this context that we receive something without having to pay for it, work it out. It was God's gift to us. Now, there are two other passages of Scripture that, again, talk about this gift and adds a word in front of it. Today, I will not take time to talk about this word exclusively because it creates enough impression in your mind. There'll be another day I'll actually come back and talk to you about this word. But let's read. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the what? What kind of gift? Okay. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then there's another passage of Scripture that says this. These are are the two passages of scriptures that communicate this gift in this light. All right? based upon the way they translated it. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for for on the one hand the judgment arose, let's go on, from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in what? Justification. So our first experience in faith is that God gave us something for nothing. And that is being applied through the life of faith for most people. Free. Turn to your neighbor and say free. Now, I do want you to know this, that this word free is actually spoken multiple times in the Bible, and the context that that word free is primarily spoken of is free in this context. Typically, again, if I say, Pastor Brandon, I'm going to give you my phone, it yours, free. And we understand the word free, which means we, per- we did nothing to purchase it. But there's another word that means free, which means I was bound and I've been released. So that word free is not I didn't pay for it. That word is I was bound in something, but then I was released from something. Are you with me? Okay. What we've done is we've taken this time, most of us, because, again, most people have been introduced to Jesus Christ, the King as only what his assignment was, Savior. This is Jesus, the Savior of the world, who came to take away the sins of the world. If you ask him to come into your heart and save you, when you die, you'll go to heaven and not go to hell. That's Jesus to their life. And that's good news, okay? But Jesus is more than Savior. Jesus is Lord. And because he's Lord, he's done more. He's set you free from the law of sin and death, which means he's empowered you to walk and to live by faith, and now he's equipped you. He's placed his own spirit inside you. He's recreated a new spirit in you, and he expected you to get back into the assignment that Adam lost, which is to walk in dominion while you're in this life and not wait to go somewhere, but to bring that place here because ultimately that place is coming. All Scripture concludes that heaven is coming here. Now, to go to heaven, you can do. Obviously, the Bible is very clear. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And he's not personally on the planet today, physically speaking. The Father's not, neither the Son. They are in heaven. The Father's on a throne. Jesus is seated at his right hand. But the Holy Ghost is here. I said the Holy Spirit's here. The third person of the Godhead is in the planet. And he's the one who can bring the realm of heaven into the realm of the, of the earth if you'll believe because he always responds to the word in the beginning God said let there be and, and when you, the, the earth was with void without form it said the spirit of God was hovering and all he was doing is moving around. But once the word said something then he responded and caused it to manifest then God said and it was then God said and it was. And if we have the same spirit that Christ had, which we do, if we speak, then we speak the same authority that Jesus spoke because we're not actually speaking, we're speaking his words. And the spirit of God in faith will cause it to come to pass, which means Jesus then said, when you pray, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom, your will be on as." So most people receive freely the forgiveness of sin and are walking through life by sight waiting to go to heaven. Because when they begin to live the life of faith, they expect everything concerning God to be free. To be free. All of us want... To live like Abraham. He's the father of faith, the father of us all. You know, when you look at him, what caused him to be in faith? What caused this man to be considered righteous because he believed God at his word? Well, the first thing he did by faith was the Lord said, Get up and go to the country, I'll show you. And so he left. That was faith. Again, faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God, which means God's speaking on multiple levels of your life. And so you need to hear God's word in every area of your life. So it's faith when Abram leaves his family and begins on a journey that he has no idea where he's going. He's just trusting God. For some people, they can't do that. They can't just get up and go to a place. Get up and go to South Florida. Where are we going? I'll show you. Not too many people can confidently go into their place of employment. I'm going to give you two-week notice because in two weeks, I'm packing up and leaving. Honey, where are we going? Don't know. Do you have a job? Don't, I, I'm, God's going to have to provide. I'm preaching good. All right? You just got to step out. But if we don't watch out, we pick up on things that Abraham does, did. Without even recognizing it because we keep throwing free in remember how and when we hear the word free we begin to negotiate our faith yeah. we go to the yard sale my wife and I went to this vintage market okay now I took the vintage market at just that it's a vintage market just like I take Walmart just like I take Target just like I take any place I'd even do this at the yard sale because I figured you've already slashed your prices enough while we talking. But yet when I do the yard sale, nobody wants it for the price I put on. I'm like, this is rock bottom, people. Will you take 15 cent? I'd give it a Goodwill before I give it to you for 15 cent right now. It's what I want to say. So I'm thinking, you cheapskate. And there's always those yard sellers who don't come till the afternoon because they know everybody just wants to get it out of their house. Now, they know they're going to forfeit the big stuff, but they can go collect a lot of stuff for nothing if they wait. Well, if we just wait on God, we get it for nothing because that's a real move of God. So we pick up what Abraham did when he had a conversation with the Lord one day. The Lord said, listen, I'm going to Sodom, and um, i got to figure out about the sin I'm hearing, because if it's as bad as I think, I'm going to have to destroy it. Now, Abraham knew that Lot was there, and he was thinking, well, I don't want Lot to die. Right. So he said, Lord, for 50 righteous people, would you do it? And the Lord said, for 50, I will not do it. I will keep them here. How about 45? Can I get 40? Lord, what about 35 30? Let's do 20. Listen, I'll ask one more time. Now, that sounds funny, but a lot of times this happens when the Lord says, give a 1,000. You know what? How about 50? You know what? I'm going to do 750. I'm going to do it. You know what? 500. 500. You know, what? I was just checking my account and saw the bills that were coming up. 250. Can I get 250? Lord, how about can you get, allow me to do 100? You know what? I'll do 100 this month, and then next week, month we'll pick up on 9. Oh, it got tight. I don't understand why y'all so tight. Don't tell me you have not negotiated your faith. We get where we negotiate with God. I want you to quit your job and go here. Now, you know what? I, you know, I've got a lot of retirement here. I've been here for years. We negotiate. Why? Because ultimately, if this is God, I ought to be able to get it for nothing. I ought to be able to put nothing in but get all God because that was salvation. I didn't put nothing in. I got salvation. I did nothing to earn this. So if I'm in faith, then I must do nothing in order to get everything. Well, first of all, that's a lie that you didn't do anything to get salvation. Because there is something that you did have to do if you are actually born again. And the one thing you had to do is Give up your will to live for yourself because you are not born again if you're still doing your own things. If he's not Lord, which means supreme in authority to be born again, you must call on the name of the Lord to be saved, which means you lay down your way of doing and take up his way of doing. And that is a cost. This is why a lot of people who really recognize the Lordship of Jesus say, I'm not ready because they like their decision making. This is why religion's here, because we're negotiating. Yeah, now, if I could do this and I could do that. It's true. Amen. We're always negotiating with God, and we carry this in with our unrenewed mind instead of just hearing God's word and saying, I'll believe it. Now, you understand, if God speaks something to you, he's giving you the capacity to believe it. He's pulling you to another level. We are to go from faith to glory to glory. So if we don't watch out, we're going to negotiate everything we do with God. Well, now, Lord, I do kingdom institute, but you understand I work. Well, you know, now, Lord, you understand I, uh, I you know, listen, I understand your word says to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but you got to understand, I, I got kids, and they're going to school, and they're doing this, so I can do one service a week. You, I mean, seriously, you understand the sacrifice I'm doing right now. Yeah, you know my heart. <laughs> So what he's trying to do is he's trying to draw you up to a place. Yeah. Yeah. I said he's trying to draw you up to a place. Okay. Yeah. Why don't we negotiate with the world like this? Why don't parents go, you know what, when my child was in Pee Wee league, you know, we didn't have practice like this. It's true. It's practice. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my son to practice for, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays, but Wednesday is totally off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we negotiate with the Creator. Hallelujah. This affects everyone. That's why y'all so tight and quiet and gasping for air right now. It it affects all of us. All of us have this, you know. All of us, we have these conversations. Because we're saying, can I actually believe what you're asking? But I'm going to submit to you, there were some elements in, in life that when free showed up, they didn't take it. And if these thing if I was to talk about these particular things in a general sense without giving the names, most believers would conclude they miss God. There was this particular guy that wanted a piece of property and went to the to to the, the community that he was at, went to this community and said, Hey, listen. You know, they were a man of God. This person is a man of God. God's favor was on their life. In fact, uh, it was very clear that wherever this person went, favor was with them. I mean, people gave to this individual on more than one occasion. The favor of God was there, and the person was wealthy. And so they went to a particular place to purchase some, wanted some land, you know, in this community, and wanted the best part, I mean, the best land. Not decide stuff, he wanted the best stuff. So he goes to the individual, to the community and says, Listen, I want this property. How much is it? Because it wasn't for sale. Yeah. So he's asking them to give him, to, to sell something that's not even on the market. Well, when he gets there, the, the community embraces this, this person because of the favor in their life and literally says, just take it. It's yours. person wouldn't have nothing to do with that. On more than one occasion, they said, just take the land. It's yours, free. Most of like, that's God's move. Wow, we went into a community, and we asked for some land, and they just gave it to us. Man, look how God moved. This individual says, I won't take it for free. I'm going to pay for it. Most people say, well, they're just prideful. I mean, here's God moving, going to give them the, I mean, God's moved on these people. Do you think God moves on everyone that that has to give us as believers free stuff? All right, I'm going to preach hard. You ready for this? You got to hear it anyway. I am tired of believers trying to stiff other believers for work. Somebody has a business, then all of a sudden, oh, you do this? Oh, well, you come help me. And next thing you know, you want them to do it for free. You want them to give you the best deal, cut you the greatest thing. You know what? You don't know what they've sown to get that job that you have. Because we're so conditioned for free and expect that it's really a move of God because we got it for free, we never ask God. Should we just bless them? Maybe I should be like you and give them more than they expect for this job instead of looking for a deal. But we don't go from faith to faith because every time God tells us to do something, it stretches us. Kenneth E. Hagin says, if you can't believe for $100, you'll never believe for a million. That means there's a different stretch between a hundred and a million. But everybody just wants you to, someone to give you the hundred and someone to give you the million. That all you did is do nothing but believe. Who is this guy that went to town? Genesis chapter 23. You have to read the whole chapter for yourself. I'm just going to stay at specific points on it. Says, I'm a stranger and a uh, sojourner, however you say that word, among you. Give me a burial site among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Who is this person? Zabraham, the father of faith, the father of us all. If anybody could believe God, (laughs) I said, if anybody can believe God. This is Romans chapter four, man, right here. That in hope against hope he believed. If a man can hold out and believe God for something, it's this man. He says, so he wants, um, you know, some land. He says, Hear us, O Lord. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our graves. None of us will refuse you his grave for burying his dead. He could have said, Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You gave it to him. Man, you're such a good... How? God moved. But what does Abraham do? And he says that he may give me a cave. He wants this cave, which he owns. So he's asking for exactly which one he wants now. At which uh, is at the end of the field. For? For the what? This man cannot be a believer. For the full price, let him give it to me in your presence for a burial site. For how much? He ain't even going to negotiate a deal. I went to vintage market, bought stuff. Pastor Brandon got a, he went in there with his eyes set on a, what's it? Windmill. And here he comes walking with this massive windmill, right? With a big smile. It said sold on it. And he goes... I got him down $5. I'm thinking, dude, he's negotiating. Now, there's nothing wrong if someone wants to, but most of the time we don't stop to ask. Should we? There's nothing wrong with what he did. I'm just using that as an example, okay? Because sometimes we don't negotiate when we can. Here Abraham said, I'm going to pay full price for this thing. Now, look how they respond to him in verse 11. No, my Lord, hear me. I give you, in, give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the presence of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. You're thinking, let it, everything be confirmed out of two or three witnesses. God has moved. This guy has got free land. Title and deed. Wow, look at God move. Yet Abraham, verse 13, and he spoke in their hearing to the people saying, if you will only please listen to me, I will give the price of the field accepted from me that I may bury my dead there. He's negotiating to pay. Now, I I alluded to this last week. It's because Abraham understood the value of the one he's putting in the grave. Most of us don't understand the value of what our faith does. Because a lot of times, in our introduction to faith, faith was about getting us out. So now we apply faith about us all the time. To get me out of something or to get me something. To get me out of something or to get me something. Never to take in consideration how my faith can work for someone else and be a blessing for someone else. Never. Because we're applying a salvation faith to all of our faith. We all know the principle, sow and you'll reap, sow and you'll reap. Man, I've been sowing. Then all of a sudden, when you get something for free, you're thinking, you know what? I've been sowing, and God caused it to come to pass. Well, do you think you're the only person sewing? Maybe you need to say, I need to give a full thing to this person. I'm going to buy this from you. You know, I just feel led I'm going to give you something more. Instead of trying to negotiate deals down for your benefit all the time. Verse 15, he said, my Lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver What is that between you and me? So bury your dead. Again, third time, just take it. This is what it's worth. This is not a problem. I don't understand why you keep pushing me. 400 shekels of silver, big deal between us. In essence, you're worth me sowing 400 shekels of silver, but faith required that I give it to you. So Abram listened to him. He weighed it out, all the silver in front of him. Look what he does. And he says, take for yourself. And look what it says, verse 22. And he said, give me the sight. Or excuse me, uh, not verse 22. It's the next passage of Scripture. Uh, he said, so the field, which, um, verse 15, it contained uh, uh, the field and the cave, which was in it, and all the trees and all, uh, which were in the field, With all of his confines and his borders were deeded over to Abraham to a possession in the presence of his sons. Why? Because he paid him 400 shekels of silver. He would not allow it to be free. Another man, power and authority, asking for land. He's asking for land because he's in trouble. Because he's done something and God's not happy. And people are dying. And so he's got to save them. And in order to save them, he's got to get some land and build an altar. This is found in 1 First Chronicles First Chronicles chapter 21. If you read the whole chapter again. As David... Which David is this? This is King David. Who is this? King David. King David came to this gentleman and said to him, he said, listen... I went out from the threshing floor, and look what this guy did to David. He prostrated himself before David. What's that mean? He recognizes the king's authority. The king owns. The king already owns everything. Lays down. Then David said to him, give me the site of this threshing floor, that I may build on it an altar to the Lord for the what? You shall give it to me that the next plague may be restrained from the people. Look what he says to his king. Take it for yourself. Let my lord the king do what is good in his sight. Do you think he was questioning whether he heard God or not? We're on urgent business. We need to change people's lives. But what's David say? David say, I will give the... Look what he says. He says, see, I will give the oxen for the burnt offerings and the threshing sled for the... Uh, wood and the wheat for the grain, I will give it all. Notice, he recognized what David wants the land for, and not only will he give him the land for free, but he'll give him the sacrifice. All the material. Oh, my gosh, that's the favor of God. He got it for? But what did the king say? He said, no, I will surely buy it. For what? The full price. For I will not take what is yours for the Lord or offer a burnt offering which costs me. So David gave him 600 shekels of gold. The Lord's going to give us them all. What's it going to cost you to get it? I just believe they're going to give it to you. Should they? That's not my prayer ever. My prayer is, Lord, what do you want to do? Yeah. Because if they have they been giving? Have they done stuff? I went from three owners to one. And the testimony of the one is that they actually, the, the, their offices that they have as their headquarters, the top part of it, they, they have donated to allow wounded warriors to be in that office space maybe his givings worth full price good good oh it's better than you saying it i know that What's it to God? Whether he gives it to us for free or whether he gives us the capacity to believe for an amount to give to someone else. Man, I can't believe they paid that much for that property. You know how many people would be running King David down right now? You know how many believers would be cursing King David right now? A man after God's own heart right now. You know how many people would leave pastors right now if they went around just started saying, "You know what? In this project, we need to pay full price." He's crazy. That ain't God. Oh, he's just being profitable. He just wants everybody to think that they're wealthy. He just wants to walk around. Really? Did Abraham walk around and want to show everybody how wealthy he was just so they can let them know how much money he had? Is that what King David did? No. These two men were humble before God but they had the ability to hear God and recognize sometimes free is not God. Sometimes God's requiring me to move to the next level of faith by asking me to give a cost. I knew a guy that's called to ministry, no doubt called to ministry, could dissect the word phenomenal. Work cleaning the church I used to be a part of when I was in Oklahoma. Went off to Bible school, the same one I did. And I told them before they went, I said, listen, I'm telling you right now, when you go, there's a lot you're going to hear that you already know because pastor, our pastor preaches this stuff, teaches this stuff. I said, so you got to go looking for the nuggets. Be teachable and learn. Graduated. Stirred up about doing ministry. So there was a pastor down in the southern part of Oklahoma, told this individual, I'll mentor you to pastor. Because churches in rural areas were coming to this pastor and saying, we're just going to shut our doors. We're not growing. We need help. And that pastor says, we'll help you. But in order to do that, you got to give us all the authority. You got to give us all the assets. And I will place a pastor in these churches that will teach your people, grow your people, love the people. And people were doing it. It was awesome. Well, this particular pastor told this individual, come down, be with me, and I'll plant you in a church. Here it is. The opportunity was there. The individual came back and said, well, I'm not going to be able to go. I said, how come? Well, you know, I just, I just can't find a job down there that has insurance for my child. What? Yeah, you know, if God was there, then he would get me a job with insurance for my child. (laughs) Never went. Today's divorced. Had a child out of wedlock. Shipwrecked. Because wanted everything done for them. If it was going to be God. negotiating faith. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes God does drive the numbers down. And in those moments, they're just as uncomfortable. Gideon was this. They walk into Gideon and says, you're a mighty man of valor. Go deliver the Midianites in in Judges chapter 6. Go deliver your nation from these people. And he don't have, you know, this concept of himself, so God has to take him from faith to faith, glory to glory, The first test is, is go out and tear down an altar. Well, he wouldn't even do it during the day. He had to do it at night. But he still did what God said. So as he began to act on what God said, he developed confidence. So the Lord said, okay, see, you've done it. You you came through that victory. Now call the people and start pulling them together so that you can win this thing. So he calls them up. 22,000 show up. Or 32,000 show up. And he's excited, pumped. But the Lord says, There are too many. Because if we keep this many people, you're going to think you did it. So he says, Whoever scared, leave. 22,000 left, 10,000 remained. Before we can go to war. See, we always want to have faith comfortable. Yeah, right. I've been reading a book by Dr. Earl uh, uh, Roberts. He said this. He said, there's nothing I ever did. God always made me dependent on him as his source. He said, everything I did, I always started with zero. I had nothing. Good. Amen. Well, we could buy it if we had it. Why don't we just start? And we start and start sowing, could it reap the return that we get the price that God wants to do in the first place? Amen. Amen. The Lord says 10,000 is still too many. So he makes them go drink water, and he ends up with 300. <laughs> These are the ones we're going to do to take this army that when you look at them, it looks like the sands of deceit. Right? I mean, he had confidence at 32,000. <laughs> now I got 300. But did they win? They did. It's one thing if God negotiates the numbers. It's an entirely different thing when you. When I say no, I'm not just talking finance. I'm talking about life in general. Well, I would quit, but did the Lord say? The longer you stay, the more you're being robbed. It won't look like that the first week or the first month or the the next six months. But it will. Why? Because you're out of alignment with the word of faith. Because you couldn't see it. And you began to negotiate. Well, I would start that church, but I got to have. Well, you know, but it just had not come in yet. You better make sure that you are to wait on it. Because there's nowhere that I find when faith showed up that it was comfortable. Ever. It was so contrary to the natural that you were in a position, if God does not die. But because you heard when you stepped out, guess what? You're not going to die. You're going to live. Yes. But you're going to have to believe. Yes. In that moment when it's not yet seen in the natural, you have to believe. Yes. Because you stood on his word. And you're not going to negotiate your faith anymore. Right. What did you say, Lord? I need you to do this. The Lord spoke to my, through my wife. We know that God's called us to plant other churches. We know this. We have a desire to get one launched in Brunswick by April of 2018 believing that that's going to take place. But Pastor Marcia was in prayer and all of a sudden Palaka came up. And when I was off in prayer, I went, you know, <clears throat> Green Cove way to my destination in Keystone and then I came back Palaka way because when I woke up that morning after I read the stuff and I was getting ready to pack up, I heard the Lord say, remember I said Palaka, you need to go through Palaka." on the way home. And start looking. Then he told me service times. He didn't tell me when to launch, but I know when service times are. I could negotiate. Now, Lord, we don't even have 2121 US 1 South yet. And you got me walking around looking at property. The first place I went to was the mall, sure did. It's more empty than this and I thought surely (laughs) this is the place (laughs) in my mind you understand then I went to another piece of property I just drove around now I'm just stirring what limits us from doing only us who's to say we couldn't start it next week if God said Who's to say I couldn't go in to negotiate a lease and God say, just give them full price? God's so much bigger than all of us, but what it does is he stretches us. Stretches us. Today, as we move into economics next week, Don't negotiate your faith. And I'm just going to go ahead and warn you all. That way it helps you. Sunday and Wednesday, when I get back next Sunday, Sunday and Wednesday will all be on Kingdom Economics. If you have a problem with money, you won't show up, I know. Because it's your God. Might as well just put it out plain. But if you'll come expecting... You'll have resources beyond your wildest imagination because you'll understand he is the source and owns it all. And at any time he can say, it's mine, pay full. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Jesus paid full. I'm so glad that when Jesus was in the garden, he didn't begin to negotiate Humanity. He understood the purpose. And he began to say, is there another way? But not my will. Your will be done. I'm not going to negotiate this thing. And abandon my purpose for being sent. Because this is happening. Everything that you've spoken up to this point is fixing to come to pass. So I'm settling one more time. This is it, right? This is it, right? This is it, right? I got to give it all, right? I got to give my whole life. I got to pay full price for them. Okay. Okay. I'll do it. And he poured out his blood for us.